So again, it's, a, it's my pleasure to, to welcome everybody. Um, my name is Jason Graves, and I'm, I'm not the preaching minister here. Uh, Corey is our preaching minister, and he's, he's guest preaching at, at another church today. And months ago, he came to me and he said, hey, I'm going to be gone during one of the weeks of the Five Love Language series, um, and I need you to preach. I said, okay, I can do that. And in my heart, I had like my fingers crossed, my heart's fingers crossed, and I was saying, please don't be gifts, please don't be gifts, please don't be gifts. And he said, it's gifts that I'd like you to preach on, um, the giving and receiving of gifts as a love language. Now, the reason I didn't want to do that was because I have taken the, the love language assessment. And if you haven't taken that, we'd love for you to do that. We have lots of, of stuff on the, on the website, on our website, connected with the Five Love Language series. Um, we'd love for you to take the assessment, the profile there, if you haven't already. And we also have envelopes with information, uh, ideas for, for couples, uh, for families, for singles. And those are available out at our at-home center. And we'd love for you to come, come grab some of those. Lots of great ideas uh, and, things, and things there for you to see. But I, I took this assessment. And, um, well, we can look at my, at my results here. Uh, are they up there? So this is, these, are, these are the things that, that score the highest for me, right? Quality time by a long shot. Now, that's quality time, not quantity time, okay? Um, I, I like spending quality time with people. And then down there at the bottom, I actually thought that gifts would be last, uh, but apparently, I don't like to be touched either. So, um, <laughs> learn something new about myself. So you have you have these two at the very bottom. So so immediately we're at a disadvantage in this sermon because this is not something I'm great at. However, it's something I've I've dealt with a lot and tried to get better at. So I've tried lots of things. Um, I'm just not good at it. I'm not good at thinking of gifts to give. I'm not good at receiving them. People are always like, you don't seem excited enough. I'm like, this is me excited. I like, <laughs> you, what you get, see is what you get here. Um, I'm just not, I'm not great at this. Um, so what we've been doing is we've been interviewing somebody on stage that this is their primary love language. So I went looking through the profiles, obviously, for somebody who um, this is their primary language. In fact, it's so much their primary language that they scored an 11, and the next one's like a 6 for them, Right? Um, it, in fact, ours are almost completely opposite in a lot of ways. And that, that receiving gifts thing was highest because for this person, that is the primary way you can tell them that they're loved and cared for. And ours were so opposite that you would think on paper that two people like that should never date, much less get married and have two daughters together. Um, so would you welcome my wife, Jackie? Because although the paper tells you not to, somehow we've made this work, being almost completely opposite in love languages, uh, where gift giving and gift receiving is a primary for her, um, and it is, it is down the list for me, and quality time is highest for me. And sure, quality time is not at the bottom for you, is it? I don't remember where it's at, but it's, it's, it's better. It's second. Okay, so we, we, we match up there. Uh, but gift giving has always been a thing in our marriage because I'm so bad at it and she's so good at it. And so that's always been a, a deal for us. Um, so I thought she'd be a good one for us to, to talk to this morning. Um, thank you, 
by the way, for doing this. I love you. Um, <laughs> and, and the first question that we've been starting with, with everybody is, how does this feel? Like, what is it about receiving gifts? Uh, what, what does it make you feel that makes this your primary language? Okay, so let me start by saying it's kind of embarrassing that this is my love language. It seems materialistic, um, but it's not really about that. So um, when someone has heard me or knows me enough to bless me with a gift that they know that I will love, then that just makes me feel loved. Um, Surprise gifts are an added bonus, but I don't expect that it's coming um, and these are, can be very small things. Um, a sonic drink brought to me at school, Diet Coke. Um, do that for your teachers, even if it's not their love language. <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, <laughs> um, even recently, I said, and this is to give him a compliment, but recently I said, um, it is almost Easter, and I have not even had a Cadbury egg. They're my favorite. And the next day, my class just happened to be celebrating my birthday at school. It's in summer, so they don't get to do that during the school year. And um, the next day, I get a call from the office. You have something in the office. So I walk down there, and Cadbury eggs are sitting there. And I thought, is this my husband? And they said, yes. And I just, I texted him and said, (laughs) I texted him and said, you're speaking my love language. I love you. (laughs) This was right after I'd asked her to do this. (laughs) He was setting it up, setting it up. (laughs) So, yeah, that's it. Okay, the the other thing about these languages is they go both ways. Um, So not only do you hear that language of love well, you you also speak certain languages of love. And for, for Jackie... Gift giving is her, her love language that she speaks. Um, so what is it, how does that make you feel? When you're able to speak that for somebody else, what does that feel like? So um, I'm always listening. And if I hear you say something that you, that you love and with, within reason, you don't want a new car or something, um, I just store that in the back of my mind. And when I feel like, hey, I really, this person really could be blessed by a gift, I love the whole process, coming up with it, shopping for it, giving it to you, and then just seeing the joy that you have opening that gift. Um, It just brings me joy, even if you don't show that joy um, as excitedly as I might want you to. (laughs) I know that you love it, and so I just love the whole experience. Um, I'm going to pass that one over. Um, So... The other thing that we've been asking in this, in this series, and I think this is a key part of this, um, it, it's what makes this prime for a sermon, right? Like, how does this relate to God? So for you, how does your language of gift giving, how does that relate to your relationship with God? Pardon me for reading, because I typed it all out. Um, so the things God's blessed me with um, are, for me, are gifts from him. So like kids, marriage, my job, and I know God loves me through these things. Um, The challenge, just like our spouses and friends, may not show us how they love us in the way that we want to be loved all the time. The same is for God. And letting God give me the things he thinks are best for me. Um, There are things, gifts and blessings I want God to bless me with, and he doesn't. 
and knowing he still loves me and I feel his love for him in other ways besides just the gifts. Well, thank you. Let's give a round of applause. Thank you for... I love the answer to that last question just because it, it, is so, uh, it is so open to say that there are good and bad sides to these, right? Um, and, and that sometimes you want people to speak a language for you that they don't necessarily speak and to be okay with that and learn what that is. That's, that's, that's key. Um, I'm struck as, as I think about this at the, the unique and lasting power that a gift has, a well-thought-out, sincere gift, the kind of power it has to communicate some really, really important things in our world. And I think even if you're like me, and this isn't a primary love language for you, I do think that we as Christians need to recapture and start to, start to grow in this some. Because I think learning to give gifts is a vital thing that's needed in our world because it communicates some things that are needed in our world. Um, so I, I, I want us to grow in that. And the question becomes how. You know, how, do you, how do you grow and, and what does it mean uh, to give gifts? What does it mean to give gifts well? Because I think there are improper or bad ways to give gifts. And we'll talk about that a little bit today. Um, but all of this reminds me of a, of a story in Scripture, a story about Jesus. And so we have, you know, the four Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who, that, that each tell the stories, the specific stories of Jesus. And all of them have some version of this story I want to tell you. Now, the stories are all kind of different, so it's hard to tell if it's the same story. But I want to tell you Mark's version um, in particular. So this is in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. And, and in, in the book of Mark, what you have is things are ramping up in Jesus' life toward the end of the story. Okay? The end of the story. Um, and what that means is he's about to die. And he knows that. And he's kind of tried to tell his disciples a little bit, and they don't fully understand. And he, he knows that this is coming. He's going to be arrested and tried and convicted and, and uh, executed. But that hasn't happened yet. In fact, that's only just now kind of becoming a plan. But there is a group of people, some Jewish leaders, some religious leaders, uh, uh, teachers of the law, who are, are gathering together at different places to talk about how do we get rid of this problem that is Jesus? This teacher that's kind of riling people up. How do, we, how do we make sure this doesn't go any further? And you can almost see them like in dark rooms, right? Gathered around, you know, twirling their mustaches and, and scheming and plotting about how to get rid of Jesus. And, and in this, they are super anxious that he's going he's gonna to mess up their stuff that what he's doing is wrong. And their anxiety is way up. And while their anxiety is up and they're trying to figure out how to kill him, you know what, God, what Jesus is doing? At that exact moment, he's at a party. Literally, he's at a party in the town of Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem, at the house of a man named Simon. 
Now, we don't know who Simon really is. There's lots of Simons in the Bible, so it's hard to know which Simon this is. But what we know about this Simon is pretty remarkable that he used to be a leper. He used to have this incredibly terrible, dreadful disease that would cause you to be outcast from your family, from your community, um, and, and sent away. That would cause you to be ostracized. Normally, you don't get to say about somebody that they used to be a leper. Um, but this guy, that's what's said. And now something has happened where he no longer has leprosy. And now, not only that, he has the means to host a party in his home and put a feast out. And he's invited Jesus. And maybe this is for Jesus. Maybe Jesus is the one that heals him. We don't know. Um, Maybe he's thanking Jesus and he invites a group of people over. What we do know is that they're eating together. And they're in this, they're in this house, uh, they're in this room, and they're gathered around a, a table. They're reclined at it, and they've already started eating. They're well into this deal. It's just two days before the Passover. So they're getting ready for a big holiday, right, a big holy day for them. And, and they're, they're having this meal together. And and like most parties, right, there's conversations going on at different places in the room, little pockets here and there. So there's some noise in the room. And then at some point, one corner of the room by the door gets quiet. And when that happens in a room like that, people start to take notice, maybe a little slowly. but, But at some point, everybody's attention is turned towards somebody who's just walked in the door, a woman. Now, now, maybe they know who she is. We don't. We're not given her name. We're not given any information about her from Mark. But she walks in, and what they notice about her uh, is that she's carrying a jar, an alabaster jar. Now, they know what this is. This is a jar that has oil in it, some kind of perfume. And it's a pretty big jar. It looks like it holds quite a bit. And it's not the cheap stuff. It's the good stuff. And they know immediately when they're looking at this that this is incredibly expensive. That what she's holding probably costs more than what most people make in a year. And we don't know exactly what she does, but at some point she makes her way over to Jesus. And maybe she walks boldly up to him. Maybe she goes timidly. We don't know. But when she gets to him, you got to think there's a moment where she questions what she's about to do, right? But there's something in the interaction with Jesus. Maybe it's a look in the eye, whatever it is, that lets her know that it's okay. What she's about to do is okay. And so she takes that jar And she starts to pour it on Jesus' head. It's almost like she's a prophet anointing a king or something, right? And Jesus, I don't know, maybe he leans forward a little bit more and lets it kind of run down the the back of his, his head and onto his neck. And as soon as that starts pouring over, the fragrance of that fills the room. And everybody knows what's happening. She's pouring this perfume, this expensive perfume, on Jesus. Okay, this sounds, and it is, so beautiful. Here's a a woman giving an extravagant gift to Jesus, and she's pouring this out on him. 
And our, our thinking is that when something beautiful happens, it just inspires awe in everybody around them. But that's not really the real world. So often, truly beautiful things inspire opposition from outside or anxiety. And that's exactly what happens. It doesn't, it doesn't calm the room. It raises the tension in the room to a fever pitch. Because you've got to think this whole time, people are wondering what she's doing. Like, man, she's going to pour that on this guy. Like, what, what is, where did she get this? What's she doing with it? And she starts to pour it. I'm like, okay, that's a little oil. That's fine. But then she just keeps pouring and keeps pouring. And at some point, people are getting very nervous. Wait, you've, you've missed it. You've, what are you doing? The tension gets so high that some people at the table stand up and say, no, no, that's enough. That's enough. You have totally missed the point. And they may have a legal issue with this. We don't totally know. But it may be, hey, you have, you have taken something that we don't know where you got this. But obviously, uh, this is a gift that you have that could be sold and given to the poor this could be used in worship, and you are, you are pouring it on this man. You're wasting this. That this, this is maybe against the law that they've been given. We're in the law. They're told to use those things that, that, that they're blessed with to give to the poor and the needy. And she's not doing that. And so the text says they scorn her. They stand up and shame her. Hey, cut it out. And so the question becomes, what is Jesus going to do? In this moment, when she's giving him this gift and the rest of the room is ready to throw her out, what's Jesus going to do? So if you have Bibles, open up to Mark 14 and let's, let's hear his, his response. We'll scoot back just a little bit to, to verse 4. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her? Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You'll always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Which apparently he was right about as we're proving today. Okay, here's why this story kind of works on my heart. Um, it's because I find myself relating to people in the story that I don't think I'm supposed to relate to. You ever had that happen with a story from the Bible? Like you, you, I kind of feel for these people who are in the room that are wondering what's going on. Because like them, I'm practical. I'm cheap. Um, I'll admit that. Um, it's part of the gift-giving problem. Um, I, I, 
I struggle with all that, and so I see something like this, and I want to be practical about it. Like, why wouldn't we use the funds of this to do more good than what you're doing right now? This does seem like a waste. So imagine my disappointment when Jesus stands up and defends her in this. Because that means these people who are making the argument that I would make are are wrong. And so the question is, why? And part of the answer is, I think it's because they're asking the wrong question. I think part of what's driving them is what drives me a lot of times. And it's the question of, is this worth it? Is whatever I'm doing, is it worth doing it? Is it worth it for me? Am I going to like the end product? Am I going to benefit from the end product enough in this? Um, I think we ask this question a lot just in life about making decisions. We, we do this kind of cost-benefit uh, analysis in our head. We weigh things back and forth, and we say, you know, what's more worth it? Um, and that's true when, we're, when it comes to giving gifts as well. We've seen this played out in relationships, right? We even, we even have phrases for it in relationships. Because imagine, uh, say you see a husband buy an extravagant gift for his wife. What do we do when that happens typically? We kind of jokingly, not jokingly uh, say, oh, what did he do? What doghouse is he trying to get out of? We call it scoring ground, uh, brownie points, Right? Because what that does when we ask, is it worth it, what we, we start turning a relationship into a scoreboard. And on the scoreboard, you got to make sure your points match the other person's points or are higher. And gifts are powerful, so they're a quick way to get some points, right? And so it's this kind of back and forth that happens between trying to, uh, trying to outdo each other in that. Now, the problem with that is that's not what love languages are about. It's not about outdoing each other, and it's not about getting what you want. The love languages are supposed to communicate something different. Gift giving is supposed to communicate something different. Something different than I'm doing this because it's worth it to me. And let's be honest, we all know when it happens, right? You know when you get a gift and it's, it's not given in the best light. Or you know it's manipulative or, okay, what are you trying to get? This happens in parenting every once in a while. You know, your, your kid comes and brings you something really, really special. Like, all right, what are you about to ask me for here? You know, you kind of doubt that. Um, sometimes that's what ends up happening. It, we, we know when that happens, when a gift is inauthentic. And so there's, there's a, a, a kind of an improper way of giving those gifts. But then there's got to be a, a, a good way of giving them. And so I think about this lady in the story, and she seems to be asking a completely different question, right? Um, she's already asked it and answered it, actually. And the question is, is, it the, is this worth it? It's, is Jesus worthy of the gift I'm about to give him? And she's already decided with a resounding yes, he is. We don't know where she got the oil. We don't know what it meant to her. We don't know why she's coming to Jesus with it. But she is. And in doing so, she is saying, this man, this teacher, 
This Jesus is worthy of wasting this precious, precious gift on. And so she just keeps pouring. She just keeps pouring it out. It's almost an act of worship, guys. It's, it's, a, it's a sacrifice that's happening here. And it's so deep from the heart that Jesus can't help but love it. And it makes me wonder, you know, it, it, just kind of as an aside, it makes me wonder if, if maybe worship is one of those training grounds for us. That one of the, the reasons we come to worship is that it helps us become better gift givers in the world. Um, I don't know, that's kind of a, maybe for another day. But we see her pouring this out on Jesus, and he absolutely loves it. He loves it. And the question we have to ask is why? Why does he love this so much? There's, a, there's some answers, I think. You know, one of them he gives is um, that this gift has a meaning that the people around him don't even understand. He knows he's going to die. And that this woman is, is both uh, physically and symbolically preparing him for burial, right? Pouring this oil on him like you would for, for a, a, a body that has died. Does she know that? No, no telling. We have no reason to think she does, though. But that's part of the beauty. God, Jesus says there is, there is meaning to this gift that you don't understand and she doesn't even fully understand. This gift matters. And it matters because how she's giving it. Um, the other thing is Jesus just loves this. He loves it when people give uh, sacrificially from who they are. Not a chapter before is the story that Bob shared today um, where Jesus is in the temple and he points to the, the woman who's given these small coins and says, hey, 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 hold on. Y'all see her over there? Guess what she just did? She just gave everything she had. And then he kind of moves on. He just wanted to stop and say, man, that's amazing. And then not a chapter later, he's defending and honoring this woman who gave him a gift because he loves this stuff. He loves it. And I think he loves it partly because it, it reflects God. It reflects who God is. Because God is a gift-giving God. Right? That's part of what we come here to say. We come here to, to be thankful and praise God for what he's given us. Because we believe he showered gift upon gift on us. The other thing is this. Jesus is about to give a gift himself. And it's a gift that's more extravagant than this woman's is. And it's going to be more misunderstood than this woman's is. But he's going to give it. It's his life. And he's going to offer it up. And he's going to do it for a couple of reasons. Because just like this woman, he's decided that his father is worthy of his sacrifice and that the people he's sacrificing for, us, are worthy of his love. He's decided that we have value. And that is the message of a sincerely given gift. That's what Jackie likes to hear. That's what Jackie likes to tell other people. And those of you who have this gift, that's what it's about. It's about 
value. It's about the person you're giving to, not what you get out of it. And Jesus has taught us that. Um, when we give someone a gift, what we, what we hand them is this, uh, this physical, tangible affirmation that they matter. Okay? Um, I have... <clears throat> I have this coin. If you can put those pictures up there, uh, Ryan. So I, I know I mention a lot when I'm up here, uh, a ministry that I love in Denver, the Dry Bones Ministry, a group of, uh, of folks who minister to uh, homeless young people and teens in Denver. And they, they do all kinds of great stuff for them. But a couple of years ago, they came up with the best idea. I love it. Um, and it's these coins. And what they did is they, they commissioned uh, to have some coins minted, made of silver. And on these, they put the logo that you can see. And they did three years of this. And every year, they put a different message. The first one was, you have unsurpassable value. Uh, the one I think you see here is the one that I have uh, holding right here. It's, you belong. And these gifts were given. They were put in these plastic containers, these holders, and they were given to their friends on the street. And they, they would hand them these and either tell them or hand them a, a little note that they had written. And the note said this. It said, these coins have value. They're made out of silver. And at any given time, you can go to this website or this place and figure out what the value of this coin is. It's a half ounce based on the market. And if you want to, you can walk into... To a, uh, to a shop and a pawn shop and pawn this and get some money for it. That's up to you. But we want you to have this gift of value because we want you to know that somebody cares for and loves you, that you matter, and you have a community where you belong. I fell in love with this because this is it. This is a tangible, it doesn't make a ton of sense. It's not a ton of worth there, depending on the time, you know. But this is such a tangible affirmation of these kids who haven't been valued by very many people in their life. And now they have this to hold on to. They did this, they started it in 2013 um, did it for three years, and they still hand the, the old ones out. Um, and so I called Thursday and was talking to one of my friends there um, and asked him to tell me some stories. And so he told me stories of how these had been received over the years. And he said, yeah, some go pawn them immediately. Uh, he said, some wait till they have a need for some money and they pawn them. He said, but most don't. He said, most keep it. He said, he said one girl made a necklace out of it. Um, one girl came to them crying one day saying, I've lost my coin. Um, and they, they wrote, helped replace it for her. Um, he was at his office and he had, he said, I've got five of my friends hanging out in the office with me today. He said, the chances are uh, that, that one or more of them have one in their pocket right now as we talk. This was Thursday. They handed these out, you know, years ago. Because they have this thing that shows them that they matter. And the question I think all this raises for us is, are we ready for this? Are we ready to speak that language to people who have been undervalued? Are we ready to give those kind of gifts? 
like God does? Because Jesus has given us that tangible gift. Bob, uh, Bob read another scripture earlier before our communion about Jesus when he's setting up the Lord's Supper. And what he says uh, to the people is he holds up the bread and the wine and he says, this is my body that I've given to you. And he gives them this tangible affirmation that every time they're together, they're going to take. And each time that affirms not only what Jesus has done, but their value to him. Jesus has given us that. He's given us our coin, right? In that, in that emblem, in that bread and wine. He's given us something to do that reminds us of who we are and how we're loved. Because he's a gift-giving God. And my prayer is that that changes us. And that we become even more gift-giving people. Not because of what it gets us. Not because of how it makes us feel. But because people have God-given value. It strikes me that the simplest way we have of talking about the gospel, the one we lean on the most, is a passage of scripture, very short. We lean on John 3.16. And the first words of John 3.16 are, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He gave a gift. And what's that gift? His only son. The, the simplest way, the most concise way we know of talking about what God has done in the world is to say that he is a giving God. May that transform us into giving people as well. Would you stand? In, in these last moments, um, I would just say that, that uh, this is something I want to grow in, right? And admitting I'm not good at gift giving, I want to grow in this. And that means opening up and allowing God to do that work. And so my prayer also is that each of us is able to allow God uh, to help change us so that we see that value in other people. As we sing this next song, we want to offer a chance for you to, to pray with uh, the shepherds and their wives here. They'll be around the auditorium. Um, please go, go to one of them. Um, we would love to get to know you more if you're one of our guests. And if you want to grow in this, we'd love to, to walk alongside you in that as well. Let's sing together.